Hi there. If you've been following along, we've been studying some of the life and events of King David. And now we're going to look at a story you probably know, David and Bathsheba. We're going to read this in 2 Samuel chapter 11. So 2 Samuel chapter 11, starting in verse 1. In the spring of the year, the time when kings go out to battle, David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel. And they ravaged the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah, but David remained at Jerusalem. It happened late one afternoon, when David arose from his couch and was walking on the roof of the king's house, that he saw from the roof a woman bathing. And the woman was very beautiful, and David sent and inquired about the woman. And one said, Is not this Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? So David sent messengers and took her. She came to him, and he lay with her. Then she returned to her house, and the woman conceived, and she sent and told David, I am pregnant. So David sent word to Joab, Send me Uriah the Hittite. And Joab sent Uriah to David. When Uriah came to him, David asked how Joab was doing, and how the people were doing, and how the war was going. Then David said to Uriah, Go down to your house and wash your feet. And Uriah went out of the king's house, and there followed him a present from the king. But Uriah slept at the door of the king's house with all the servants of his lord and did not go down to his house. When they told David Uriah did not go down to his house, David said to Uriah, Have you not come from a journey? Why did you not go down to your house? Uriah said to David, The ark in Israel and Judah dwell in booths, and my lord Joab and the servants of my lord are camping in the open field. Shall I then go to my house to eat and drink and to, make, and to lie with my wife? As you live and as your soul lives, I will not do this thing. Then David said to Uriah, Remain here today also, and tomorrow I will send you back. So Uriah remained in Jerusalem that day and the next. And David invited him, and he ate in his presence and drank, so that he made him drunk. And in the evening he went out to lie on his couch with the servants of his lord, but he did not go down to his house. In the morning David wrote a letter to Joab, and sent it by the hand of Uriah. In the letter he wrote, Set Uriah in the forefront of the hardest fighting, and then draw back from him, that he may be struck down and die. And as Joab was besieging the city, he assigned Uriah to the place where he knew there were valiant men. And the men of the city came out and fought with Joab, and some of the servants of David among the people fell. Uriah the Hittite also died. Then Joab sent and told David all the news about the fighting. And he instructed the messenger, When you have finished telling all the news about the fighting to the king, then if the king's anger rises, and if he says to you, Why did you go so near to the city to fight? Did you not know that they would shoot from the wall? Who killed Abimelech, the son of Jerobasseth? Not Did not a woman cast an upper millstone on him from the wall, so that he died at Thebes? Why did you go so near to the wall then? Then you shall say, your servant Uriah the Hittite is also dead. So the messenger went and came and told David all that Joab had sent him to tell. The messenger said to David, The men gained an advantage over us and came out against us in the field, but we drove, drove them back to the entrance of the gate. Then the archers shot at your servants from the wall. Some of the king's servants are dead, and your servant Uriah the Hittite is dead also. David said to the messenger, Thus shall you say to Joab, do not let this matter displease you, for the sword devours now one and now another. 
strengthen your attack against the city and overthrow it, and encourage him. When the wife of Uriah heard that Uriah her husband was dead, she lamented over her husband. And when the morning was over, David sent and brought her to his house. She became his wife and bore him a son. But the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. So at the very beginning here, we see in verse 1 that this was taking place. It says it was the time when kings went out to battle. This was during the springtime. And this is right after the, after the rainy season where the kings would all go out and battle. Because this, this was a time when the ground was no longer soft. They could take and march the armies with, you know, with, with less trouble doing that. So this was always, the, and there was grass, there was vegetation, fruit, fruit starting to grow. So they had, they had food while they were going out. And so this was when the kings would typically gather their armies. The kings would go out, they would lead their armies in battle. But we read here that this time David stayed behind. He sent Joab to fight for him and he stayed back in Jerusalem. Which is strange because also not only did all the kings typically go and, and lead in battle at this time, but even in many of David's battles, he's mentioned specifically as David has, you know, he defeated the Philistines, he defeated these people, he, David led his armies. But here, he, David is mentioned specifically to have sent Joab in this place and to stay back in Jerusalem. I think it's significant. It's not just that David wasn't on the battlefield, but this was such a special circumstance, such a peculiar event, that it was significant detail to be recorded. Not just that David was not leading his armies like he should have been or like the other kings were, but this was the beginning sign of a deeper heart issue with David. And it's one that we see opens up the door and gives sin a foothold in David's life from this point on. So while, while Joab is leading the armies in battle, while Joab is out fighting, David's back in Jerusalem. We see him up on his roof and we see him seeing, seeing this woman bathing. And at first, when we see here, is at first it just mentions that he saw a woman bathing. And so he went and he inquired about her. Now, did he, did he sit there? Did he watch her? Did he lust after her at this point? It doesn't really say. It just says that he sent, he sent someone to find out, to inquire about who this woman was. But then what happens next after this can no longer be seen as an accident or a mistake. If even to give David the benefit of the doubt, at first it was innocent, him asking and inquiring about her. We see what happens next is the people come back to David, David and they tell him who she is. They say, this is Bathsheba. She's the daughter of Eliam. She's the wife of Uriah the Hittite who was out in battle. So David knows from this point on that this is a married woman. But still knowing that this is when David goes a step further. This is when David goes and has them bring Bathsheba to him. So Bathsheba comes to see David after he knows she's a married woman, a married woman who's married to someone who's out at battle fighting for Israel. And we see Bathsheba get pregnant. So now King David has this mess on his hands that he needs to clean up. So the first thing David tries to do here 
is he brings Uriah home from battle. He, he starts to manipulate circumstances. He starts to, to get his hand in the things under his control to try and make his mistakes go away. So he brings Uriah home from battle. He brings him home. He is masking this under concern for Joab, concern for how things are going. And then he brings Uriah home so he can so he can relax, so he can spend time at home, spend time with his wife. And he's hoping that Uriah is going to come home. And then so when it turns out that Bathsheba is pregnant, it will can just be kind of swept under the rug. It can just be, well, clearly this is Uriah was home and then she got pregnant. So that must have been what happened. But we see in Uriah, we see a man who he comes home and he doesn't go home to his wife. And when he's asked about it, he says he, he does not feel right. He can't go home and relax. He can't go home and spend time with, with his wife when his when his brothers, his his fellow you know, his fe fellow Israelites are out that they're they're battling, they're fighting a war. They're out in the field and he's at home and he's not gonna go and enjoy his home, enjoy enjoy time with his wife while his while Joab and his others are out there fighting on fighting. So David tries again, and he even manipulates so far as to get to bring Uriah in to to eat with him. To to get he even he even says that he gets Uriah drunk, gets him drunk, and hoping then it'll he'll let his guard down. And but still Uriah doesn't go home. Still Uriah has this he has this this desire within him to do the honorable thing. This desire, which frankly was lacking in David at this time in his life. And so because Uriah really is the good guy in this situation, he doesn't even get into that position where David can cover up his own mess. So since David can not, since he can't skirt the, skirt the mistake here, since he can't sweep this under the rug, in what, see, what would appear to be maybe not so harmful of a way of you know, passing this off as Uriah getting Bathsheba pregnant. The next thing he does is he goes even farther and David sends a letter to Joab and intentionally gets Uriah killed in battle. He says, go put Uriah at the front of the army, go right up front to the heart of the battle. And not only that, but fall back, put him out in front and then fall back so that he does get killed. So it just shows how far David is going to cover up his sin that he's not only now he's not only he's not only manipulating not only is he intervening in in the strategies and the, the people battling not only is he getting involved in bringing Uriah back home but he's he's actually going as far as as sending men to their death Uriah especially but I'm sure there would have been other other innocent men along with him who would have been killed because of them going to the front lines at David's command, all just to cover up his sin, to cover up his mistake. So in verse, around verse 21, after David's plan does, I guess you could say work out, Joab sends Uriah to the front of the battle. He sends, the, he sends that army right up to the gates and he pulls back. And so Uriah is killed. And Joab sends messengers to report this to David. And so he basically tells his messengers, if you go and if David's angry, like 
angry about this happening, just rem just remind him that you know Uriah was among the ones who'd be killed. Because Joab knows that's what David wants, and that is gonna skirt David's anger here. So in verse 21, it says about how Joab says, if you go and report this news to to David, and David asks you basically like, well, why were you so close to begin with the wall? In the wall to begin with and it makes mention of another thing it says verse 21 says um david if david says to you like don't you know you shouldn't go close to the wall verse 20 21 he says who killed abimelech the son of jerabetheth not a woman cast an upper millstone on him from the wall so that he died at thebes why did you go so near the wall and what this is this is interesting what this is actually referring to is in Judges chapter 9, this Jerobeseth, that's actually another name for, um, for Gideon, for Gideon. He was a judge in Israel, and it was his, Abimelech was his son. And that's kind of a separate story, but his son was, um, his son was in battle, and he had killed all of his other brothers, and in part of this, and how his son, how Abimelech actually died, was that when he was coming into a one of the cities, when he was coming into the wall, getting ready to storm it, a woman dropped a dropped a rock on the off the off the wall, dropped a rock off the wall, it landed on him and killed him. And so it seems like this this story of Abimelech here, the story of him getting killed, is it seems like it's something that all of Israelite, all of the Israelites, especially the army, would know about. So really, it's just kind of interesting how they how that's put in there that Joab is telling this messenger like if David asks you like shouldn't you have known not to go close to that wall then just remind him well he, well Uriah was also one of the ones who had killed and that'll David won't be angry anymore David will understand oh that's why they went so close to the wall because Joab was essentially Joab was carrying out my command to have this innocent man killed but so that's what the me that's what Joab sends the messenger to King David to report this to him, and then in verse twenty five here, we see after David gets message about you know the army some of the, some of the armies here were overtaken they they shot at us we lost we lost some men here. David said to the messenger in verse twenty five, "Thus shall you say to Joab, do not let this matter displease you, for the sword devours now one now another. Strengthen your tactics." Against the city and overthrow it and encourage him. So basically, what we're seeing here is David gets this, this you know the Uriah Bathsheba thing set aside for a moment. David gets this bad news that you know your armies are, your armies are we we, we lost men here. You know we we, we kind of they, they overtook us here at the gate. And David in verse twenty five seems to just brush it off like it's no big deal. He says, "Don't worry about it. You know sometimes." Sometimes we win, sometimes we lose, man. Sometimes, you know, it's war. Sometimes people die. And it's kind of strange. And it doesn't say, you know, whether that's something that the messenger was was understanding, was realizing that there was something weird going on. But we just see in here in verse 25 that David's, from one thing to another, this covering up of his sin has almost, almost almost just reduced the impact of 
the death of his own people on David, that he is willing to even just brush, oh, it's no big deal that people were killed in this battle, it's no big deal, when really it's all in an effort to to cover up this mistake he made, to cover up this, this sin and this shortcoming of his. So in verse 27 here, after, after Bathsheba mourned for her husband Uriah, David, after she had done lamented and mourning over him, then David finally goes and he now he has wiped out every any chance of this being find out except the Lord God all the Lord God obviously knows David's heart he knows everything that happened and so it says that you that David took Bathsheba in as his wife she took man to live with him and to be one of his wives but this thing that 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 David done displeased the Lord and that's kind of where this ends right here that even just a reminder here that even though David had he might have thought for the time being thought that he covered his tracks that he got his all of his bases covered and he he cleaned up every loose end but the Lord God still knows everything that's happened everything that is happening the Lord God knows everything that's within David's heart and it says here kind of a cliffhanger as to what's going to happen next that David thought he had everything taken care of but it was not hidden from the Lord's eyes and this thing that he did displeased the Lord so we see this whole mess David get in back up to like what we said in the beginning maybe this whole thing could have started with or could have been stopped from the beginning with we don't see all the reasons why we don't see why David did not go out to battle in the first place, but this is just an example of how one thing leads to another, how one foothold of sin within within the heart can just lead to a spiraling downfall. You know, we don't see why David did not go out to battle with the rest of when kings typically go out. But we see this as an example as it starts with David did not go out to, out to battle. David stayed back in Jerusalem, and one thing led to another. And then he saw Bathsheba, and you know, did he lust after her for a time? Was there? Was he? Was it innocent at first? But he had. He let that. He let his guard down over his heart. He let a little bit of sin get in, and next thing you know, he intentionally, intentionally had the servants go and bring him a married woman for him to lie with. And then one thing led to another, and then he's caught, and then we see David lying and manipulating just to cover up his tracks. And when that doesn't work, he turns to flat-out murder. He turns to him essentially putting a hit out on Uriah, using the mask of, arm, of war, using the mask of the enemy's armies and battling. But really, it was nothing more than David sending Uriah to his death. For his own gain, for his own cover-up of the sin within his heart, which all started from just letting a little piece of it. You know, I don't think David intended on, well, I'm not going to go to war. I'm going to hang out in Jerusalem. I'm going to get into some trouble. I don't think that, I don't know, but I don't think that's what was on David's heart. But we see an example of how a little bit of sin creeping in, a little bit of unrighteousness harbored in the heart, which leads to this spiral of consequences. 
Well, I do thank you for joining me. I'm, I'm grateful and glad that you were able to tune in, and I hope that you will be able to tune in again next time.